since I don't have the files for the normal music that you would have, I'm just going to sing a little tune before this starts. A doopa do doopa deep do. Okay, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to our second recording on Christian speech, part two. Probably going to be the last one if I can be efficient with the time here. I'm going to walk through the shorter phrases in my list of principles of Christian speech. I'm not going to go through all the proof texts. I would encourage everyone to read them. You'll notice that some of these are not about you speaking, but about how you receive the speech of others. Because speaking is not a one-sided event. Communication involves communing. It involves two or more persons speaking to one another. So when we talk about having Christian speech or holiness in our speech, we're also talking about how we hear things and understand the things that we hear and not just the things that we say. So our first one is about listening, and it says listen carefully. It has several texts from Proverbs I would highly encourage everyone to read. There's a difference between listening and listening carefully. Otherwise, I would have just said listen. To listen carefully is to listen with discernment, to attempt to understand not just what the person is saying, but maybe what they're not saying. And to try as hard as you can to charitably understand what's being said. So to see behind what they're saying. Not to make unbridled assumptions, but to be able to see, hey, maybe there's a missing piece here that they're, that, that, that's happening between the lines, so to speak. And I should ask a pointed question about it. Or to listen carefully such that you genuinely understand what they're saying. To not misrepresent them. To ask clarifying questions. That shows that you are listening carefully. If you are listening to respond, you are not listening. So if you're just waiting for them to finish talking so that you can say what you want to say, then you have not listened to them. Listen carefully. Second principle, do not speak quickly. Pause and think. If you are, again, just waiting to for your turn to talk, then you'd show that you have not listened, but you are also probably not going to say something well. You might say something right, but saying it well and saying something right are not exactly the same thing. As we're going to see, you can speak the truth and do so in the wrong way. So do not speak quickly. And this applies to typing as well. Stop and read over what you have typed before you hit enter. Make this a habit. It will help you in your actual speech as well. 
to stop and think in your own mind before you say something out of your mouth. Hey, maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way, or maybe there's a better way to say this that's more clear, or is that true, what I'm about to say? Stop and think. Pause and consider before you speak. Do not speak quickly. Third principle, speak consistently with God's wisdom so that you may give grace to those who hear. And that's a quote on the last half from Ephesians 4.29, which is the proof text attached to this principle. This means that if you're going to say something, then it needs to be consistent with the wisdom God has given in his word. If you're going to say something's true, something's right, if you're going to give your opinion, it needs to be backed up by God's interpretation of reality. The way you interpret the world needs to be consistent with the way God has understood the world he has made and that interpretation he has delivered to us in his word. If you are not speaking consistently with God's wisdom, then you are speaking as a fool. There's no alternative. You're either consistent with the wisdom God has given or you are foolish. There's nothing in between. And if you speak with God's wisdom, then you are giving grace to those who hear. But if you speak as a fool, you are leading them into foolishness as well. Fourth principle, accept real reproof graciously and humbly. Notice I added a qualifier, real reproof. Whenever someone comes to you and says, hey, I think you're off here, or I think that you're being mean, or I think that you're sinning in some way, the first thing you need to ask yourself is, are they right? And if you always come up with the answer of, no, they're not, then you're probably wrong. Somebody somewhere is going to approach you someday and say, hey, I think you've gone wrong here, and they're going to be right. And when they're right, you need to accept it graciously and humbly, repenting toward them if they're the one that you've sinned against, or to whoever it is, and seeking forgiveness. But when it's not real reproof, when it's slander, then you need to ignore it, which brings us to our next principle, ignore insults. That's ultimately what false reproof is. Someone comes to you because they just want to have it out with you because they've perceived something wrongly in your uh, words or actions, or they've assumed your motivations that they cannot know, and they're just dead wrong, and they're just coming out swinging at you. You need to talk to them, obviously, but you need to ignore the insult. Overlook it. Who cares? The truth is far worse in many cases. The truth about your heart, the truth about who you are. They might not be right about the specifics of what they're saying, but if they only knew the half of who you were, of what God knows, and yet God has forgiven you in Christ, And so you need not worry about the accusations of men when they are false. Ignore insults. Sixth principle. Do not deceive with wicked intent, slander, 
So there's righteous forms of deception in the Bible. We see these in a number of places. I won't go through all of them. If you want to have it out with me about that, I can walk through it with you. Uh, But here's uh, not the time or the place. And so I, I, I have to qualify this is wicked deception, slander. You're speaking falsely of another person with the intent of harm, of harming them. I will give one example of righteous deception just to make clear the difference. When Rahab lies about the location of the spies, she is not deceiving with wicked intent. She's deceiving with righteous intent, and she's not slandering them by lying about their physical location in the world. But if I say that such and such a person uh, goes to the strip club every weekend when they don't, and that I've seen them doing it, that is slander. That is deception with wicked intent. Do not slander. Seventh, do not tell the truth with wicked intent. This is gossip. So if I learn that a friend of mine is having a a great deal of trouble with pornography, for example, and he confides this in me, And then I go and tell everyone and I disguise it as a, Hey, I, you know, man, Bob told me that he's been using porn and he's just having a hard time with it. Can you, can you pray for Bob? And I just drop his name. I tell everybody about it and I go, I go and tell everyone. And now half the neighborhood or church or whatever community that you and Bob are part of knows about Bob's problem that he confided in me maybe for the first time he's ever told anybody and he confessed that to me uh, that's wicked of me to do that now there are ways to talk about things like that and and not be gossip if, if I say if I tell my small group at church I say hey a friend of mine's having a really hard time with some sin can y'all pray for him that's fine I kept the sin ambiguous so they can't triangulate, figure out who it is, and I kept who it is ambiguous. Bob could be in the room, and nobody would know it's Bob, unless Bob's my only friend. (laughs) You can tell the truth and not do so with wicked intent, but if you share the details, the the secrets of of another person uh, with someone when, when they have when it's that kind of a situation. It's gossip, and it's wicked. Don't do it. Don't do it. Next, speak straightforwardly. Do not multiply words without necessity. This is a real problem uh, in our general culture and society, where people will not just say what they want to say. They will not speak in a straightforward way. Now, it needs to be gracious. 
it needs to be seasoned with salt. But it, it, it doesn't, if you obfuscate your meaning by multiplying your words, then you are engaging in a form of deception. I'll give you an example. If I'm going to confront someone about their sin and I dance around the subject for 15 minutes, I'm doing them a disservice. Say, hey, you know, how are you doing? How's the weather? What's going on? I, you know, talk in circles. I, and I engage the meeting. I say, hey, I need to talk to you. And then I spend 15 minutes doing small talk. And then I finally get around to what I want to say. And when I do say it, I've disarmed it of all of its force by dancing around it for so long. I've multiplied words without necessity. If I call up a brother and I say, hey, I need to talk to you. He says, okay, about what? Well, I think you've sinned and I, I, we, we need to talk about it. Okay, great. And I say, here's how I think you've sinned and um, I, I, and I tell you because I love you and I don't think that you've done this maliciously, but you need to know and you need to repent. That is so much better for everyone involved. And it is, it's usually fear that drives this kind of dancing around with our words. Fear God more than men. Speak in a straightforward way. Sometimes you do need lots of words to explain something. And that's why I added the qualifier, do not multiply words without necessity. Sometimes it is necessary to explain things with many words. But if you can say it in few words, do it. And sometimes you can say something in a few words that isn't straightforward. You say, hey, I think you sinned. Well, that's not straightforward because you haven't defined what it is. So that's why there's two different statements here. Speak straightforwardly and do not multiply words without necessity. These can be different things, but they often hang out together. Next, do not speak out of thoughtless anger. And I say thoughtless anger intentionally here because there could be righteous anger that drives you to speak, and that is a good thing. But it is a rare thing. If you are angry, you need to pause and think before you say anything. You need to consider whether your anger is justified and if what you're going to say next is going to sin, include some kind of sin, whether it be slander, an insult, not representing the other side charitably, whatever it is, then you need to not speak until you are calm and can speak. Anger often makes us thoughtless. So if you are angry, hold your tongue and think and then speak. Do not speak out of thoughtless anger. Second to last, speak as a circumstance requires a gentle word where needed, a hard word where needed. Often the text that's used, uh, Proverbs 15.1, a soft word turns away wrath. It is cited as 
an argument that we should always speak softly. But if that were the case, then we wouldn't have examples in the Bible of hard words. Notice I didn't say harsh words, but hard words, and these are different. It's very akin to speaking straightforwardly. Uh, Especially among men, we don't do this enough with each other, of saying, hey, brother, you're wrong. And you can do that, and it can be a hard word, but that can soften the heart. Where if you are handling a hardened heart with soft hands, you're never going to break through. However, a already soft heart needs soft hands, a gentle word where needed, a hard word where needed. This requires discernment, it requires thoughtfulness. The Bible gives us plenty of ammo to fuel our thinking in these different directions. So consider the text cited there and think about it. Gentle word where needed, a hard word where needed. Speak as the circumstance requires. Lastly, do not boast except in the Lord. If you're going to talk about yourself, do so in reference to God as often as you can. Think carefully. Am I boasting in my own abilities? Am I speaking to lift myself up? Or am I speaking in such a way as to glorify God for the gifts he has given me, for the good he has done to me? Think carefully about your boasting. Your boasting is not good if it is in yourself. Your boasting is excellent if it is in the Lord. And that concludes things. I may have a follow-up to this. I may not. Depends on if I get questions or things. But I hope this tides everyone over until I return. And that is helpful to all of you. And honor God with your words. Amen. All right, that's that's all we got. It's over. No no fancy music to to let you know it's done.